Deferred Fed Couples and Agency Match, all on today's Fednababble. This is Fednababble, where Kevin and Cassie make federal retirement benefits understandable for humans like you. These two don't hold back as they answer questions from the FedPilot workshops and webinars or from questions submitted by you at fednababble.com. Oh, look at that. We've got one of your boys with us. Out of my, out of my bubble. So uh, I guess my kids will be joining us for today's discussion. Excellent. I love it. Hi, boys. Okay. Let's uh, jump in. Maybe they know some of the answers to this as well. Mm. <laughs> so this first one, will you be going over deferred yes. retirements? Um, obviously... Now, this is, is it, from your webinar, right? Yeah. Do you cover yeah. this in your webinar? No, I don't. We do cover it in the day-long one because there's more time. But this goes for very, very few people. And so, I mean, really, yeah, really not very many people at all. So we, we, I don't talk about it. And what I say is, if you, if you really want to dive into this, um, when you, you know, Afterwards, we can talk about this, but not right now where it's not going to pertain to anyone except for you. Um, but can you, so, so right. being fully retired, can you explain the other options? I don't know sure. how in depth you want to go, but the other options that are out there. Yeah. So <laughs> when you're looking at, um, you know, retiring from federal service. I don't think people really understand what the deferred retirement is. This one often gets confused with postponed retirement. Yeah. Um, deferred retirement is when somebody separates from service um, earlier than an actual retirement date, right? So they're not eligible for um, any sort of immediate or uh, postponed uh, pension benefit, right? right? So they're typically be prior to their um, minimum retirement age, which is either 55 to 57, um, depending on their year of birth. But they're separating prior to their minimum retirement age. And even if they have over 10 years of service, um, that doesn't matter. They're, they're either younger than their minimum retirement age or they've met their minimum retirement age and they haven't met at least 10 years of service. That's when a deferred um, retirement is going to pertain to somebody, right? Postponed retirement is when somebody has met their uh, minimum retirement age and has at least 10 years of service. So they qualify for a reduced pension benefit immediately under the MRA plus 10 rules, but then they say, hold the phone, I'm gonna wait until I'm fully eligible to receive my pension, whether that's age 60, 62, you know, 59, whatever that looks like based on the number of years of service that they have. And they simply want to avoid that MRA plus 10 penalty. Right. And that helps. And then they're okay with uh, postponing there are other federal benefits as well, such as FEHB and Begley. Um, but if they do that, I mean, separating under an, under an MRA plus 10 
um, pension, they're not going to receive the SRS or the special retirement supplement anyways, whether they take the immediate pension or the postponed pension. But deferred employees, when you go out on a deferred retirement, so again, those are people that are under their minimum retirement age with, or you've met your minimum retirement age and have less than 10 years of service, um, then they're not going to have any of those benefits that are eligible no matter uh, when, they, when they've been taking that pension. So even if they, you know, obviously deferred, then you're not going to be able to take your pension until 60 or right. 62, depending on your years of service anyways. But if you wait, you're not going to be able to pick up FEHB and Fagley even when you begin your pension, you're simply saying, I'm done with the federal government. I'm done with their um, pension, with their benefits. I'm, I'm choosing not to continue them at all. So um, for instance, somebody again, who's 45 um, and separates from service, they haven't retired because they're not receiving their pension. So they're going to retire if they have, you know, 20 years of service, they can begin their pension at age 60 because they have those 20 years of service, but then they're going to waive Fagley, FEHB, special retirement supplement. Like they're not going to receive any of those other benefits um, even when and they th begin their pension at 60. And this is a great example of why when people say, okay, can you dive into deferred? And, and it's like, well... <sighs> Boy, if I do, it, I mean, it's it's not a simple discussion. It's not a, this is how it works. I mean, you can say, like you just said, this is how it works. But then the natural question is, okay, well, what what do I do? I, and that's that opens up a whole can of worms that you and I aren't going to answer. But, uh, you know, like someone, uh, an advisor in our trusted network, they will be able to answer because they see your situation. They know your situation. They see your numbers. They see everything They can say, okay, yep. best for you to maximize your benefits. This is what you do. But, and, but you, that was a great example of why we, we don't even try to explain it in a, in a workshop or something like that. Because it just goes, oh, it's overwhelming. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's number one. Number two. All right. My husband and I are both federal employees. What options are available to us? Mm. What options for what? I'm. Yeah. <laughs> there. You know. Right off the top, um, I can think of a couple things. Um. Mm -hmm. What uh, there there's some there are because there are bonuses for federal employee couples that are married to each other. One of them has to yes. do with health care. Right. So with health care, mm -hmm. some things with that is that if as long as you both have are in the FEHB plan when you retire, then if one dies, that doesn't mean that the other one doesn't get FEHB anymore. You don't have to take the SR or the survivor benefit, so they're they're out of it that way. They, you know they're not strong armed into the survivor benefit program because they both are entitled to that. Um, that's right. one. That's one way. There are some. Um, oh, there's another benefit. I can't. There's another benefit. So that, here's the thing. Yeah, go for it. The FEHB. 
and the survivor benefit are definitely one. But then you, they also have to think about the income, right? So with somebody who's in the federal service and somebody who's not, not always is the spouse who's not in federal service going to have a pension. Sure. Right? And so sure. the, the federal employee obviously will get the pension, but um, with federal employee couples, both of them are going to have a pension. So that's going to change a little yeah. bit how, <clears throat> excuse me, how, uh, you know, that planning process looks like. And especially, you know, for TSP benefits, like they're, they're both going to have a TSP, you know, federal couples are, are, again, like you said, the, um, the FEHB and the survivor spouse, well, they're probably both going to have Fagley as well. And the special retirement supplement option, if they're FERS, like we have to look at, you know, there's so many similarities and benefits to the federal program that the other federal spouse is going to naturally have, depending on which retirement system they're under. Okay. Um, but there's there's a whole lot of benefits to that. Um, and so the planning considerations are going to be different because federal couples have the same um, benefits as each other rather than if somebody doesn't work, if a spouse doesn't work for the federal government, they're not going to have the availability to keep certain programs. There's, there's going to be have, having to be more coordinated um, approach with the benefits yeah. to make sure that certain plans are there for the yep. spouse other than having to be, you know, uh, or having to be eligible for them on their own. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you one quick example. Um, I, I've had this happen a few times in, in my workshops, not too often, but it does happen every now and then where there is a federal couple married together and one is a SERS and one is a FERS. And when we mm -hmm. get to the TSP, <laughs> I, I I say, okay, this I, I come to this particular slide and I say, this is dedicated to you two right now. I said, let's say husband is furs and wife is hers. I say, husband, if you want to take out anything from your TSP, you have to get permission from your wife. But wife, when you want to take anything out from your TSP, you don't have to get permission from your husband. You can just take it out and he's just notified, which means that if you get to the mailbox faster than he can, he'll never know how you got all those shoes. So, and, th and they look at each other right? like, oh, and, and you can just sometimes just feel like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Why is that fair? And and she's just, you know, the, the wife is gloating, saying, yes, I can do that. And he's mad. And then I think, okay, you know, maybe we need to bring in a psychologist or a counselor of some type to work out the issues that you, you two, <laughs> that I have created now for you. So, um, yeah, but there are little things like that, that there are differences between SIRS and FERS. Sometimes they, a lot of times they play really well together. And, and can give you some bonuses, but there are times like that when they don't play very well <laughs> together anymore. Yeah, so. it's kind of like Social Security, right? If you have a CSRS employee yep. and a FERS yep. employee, CSRS is is going to not have Social Security, but they're going to have a higher pension. FERS is going to have a, maybe a lower pension, but then they get the Social Security. But the CSRS employee cannot get yes. the spousal, uh, most of the time, I should say, 
Most is of not time. going to be eligible for the spousal benefit under Social Security because of the government pension offset. And, you know, right. and so there's even though the CSRS can have whatever freedom they have with the TSP by not notifying their spouse or getting consent or anything to withdraw their money. Well, the first employee, you know, they're going to have <laughs> other benefits, too. <laughs> yep. It's all over the place. So, it gets so confusing. You know, it, it depends on, to answer this question, it depends on which system those federal employee couples are under as yeah. for what their options that are available because they're yeah. going to be different if you have a CSRS and a FERS as opposed to a FERS and a FERS or a CSRS and a CSRS. Um, you know, and, and so that's why getting in touch with somebody who can help them kind of figure out what the differences are or what, what options are available to them based yeah. on their retirement system is going to be key. Yeah. How do you maximize this? How do you put all the rules mm -hmm. just in line and keep as much of your own money as possible? That That's the key right there. How do I keep as much of my own money as Maybe possible? Maybe not give it to yourself. What, what was that again? Do you mean not keep it or not, um, oh. <laughs> not give it to yourself? No, that's not keep what I mean. Yeah. That that's yeah. Yeah. That's not what I was talking about, but that, okay. That could be too. Right. Right. Okay. Let's go on to the next question. All right. Does the agency match contributions count towards the 19,500 max contribution? Nope. Period. Done. Okay. I have another question. Okay. That, that was easy, right? I know we only have a few minutes here and I thought that that would be perfect for that, but I want to ask another question in here um, that mm -hmm. I'm pretty confident I know the answer to, but I may be wrong in this. Okay. This says, does agency match contributions? Let's just put a question mark right there. Does the agency match the contributions um, as opposed to OPM matching contributions? And does oh, it matter? How? Hold on, hold on. How often do you get that in your workshop where they ask if OPM matches? I don't often, but what I do get is a, a, a difference between understanding of what an agency does and what OPM does. And, and for example, the mm -hmm. SCD compared to the, um, compared to the report that they can get from OPM, those could be the same, but they could be off. It isn't going to be the right. same. Right. Um, OPM says, you know, OPM uh, has an MRA and then they have, uh, you know, we can take advantage of when someone is going to retire and make it the last day of the month to maximize the amount of money that they have. But if you're a law enforcement officer, then it's actually up to the agency if you hit your maximum retirement age as to when best to match. I mean, so sometimes we have to look at what OPM says. Sometimes we have to look at what the agency has says. And so I was just thinking here, I, I think it's OPM, me, isn't it? And, and talk about that. So OPM is pretty much for advice while you're a federal employee and they but they handle more of the retirement stuff. Right. And the and the laws and the regulations with the federal government. Um right. but 
So no, they don't have anything to do with the contributions to TSP or anything. The agency They'll, or OPM? The a OPM. Okay. The Office of Personnel Management right. is simply to manage those things, right? Now, the agency is the HR department or, or you, you know, the agency that you work for, okay? And they're going to have more specific information. Now, I see this in benefit reports, right? Where um, somebody's like, well, I got this estimate from OPM, but then I got this estimate from, from the agency. Well, OPM is going to take into consideration more of what the agency is because the agency doesn't maybe doesn't have everything that OPM does or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, if somebody has submitted the certified summary of service, the agency has all of that record of somebody's um, service history. OPM may not have that service history and they're going to give you the information based on what you have, right. what your retirement SCD is, whether, uh, you know, so they're going to calculate the pension based on all of that information. They're not going to run the, you're, they're not going to be the HR department where that can run different scenarios and provide different right. um, reports to you based on if you buy back your military service or something like that. Right. Um, they're not always going to have the the part-time proration factor because right. they may not have all of those. And so um, I think people get this confused often where submitting the retirement application, for instance, they think, oh, well, I'm going to send that into OPM. Well, before you do that, there's some things that your agency has to do first. And so you actually submit your retirement application package to your agency so they can get together the other documents that need to be included in the package and then send it off to OPM. And that's what that process looks like. And when you when you separate agency and OPM, people are like, oh, I didn't I didn't realize that that's how that worked. Right. Well, it, yeah, you know, they're, it's they're good two to have, separate. Yeah. It's, it's good to have an understanding, at least some basic understanding of who does what and and understand, for example, that, oh, my retirement comes from OPM and mm -hmm. and not the agency and, and the agency doesn't handle my retirement. It's OPM and who not only who to go to, but also when you're looking at for the final word, do you go to your HR for the final word of what your retirement will be like or do you go to OPM? And, and so, it, it, again, it's it's good to understand what your yeah. agency is handling and doing compared to what OPM is handling and doing. Yeah, and I'll tell you, all, all things regarding your deductions and contributions and all of that, that is strictly HR. Okay. In fact, I've got good. a friend who works in HR in the payroll department. That That is for your the people who do payroll. Right, they're they're figuring out what that looks like and and all of that for you. Um, that is is not OPM. It's not even TSP, really. <laughs> yep. That's your payroll office. So. Okay, well, that's you know that's a yeah. that's something that 
I don't think I've ever really discussed with anyone before in more in depth like that. It's been a cursory, hey, you got to know the difference, but we've never dove into it because, you know, in a workshop, we just don't have time to do that. But it's good to have an understanding of that. Okay. As always, if you would, please like and subscribe, get notifications, and make sure you stay up to date. Make sure you have all the information. Cassie, any last words of wisdom? Um, go get a benefits analysis from somebody, right? Whether it's HR or OPM, get something. If you're looking at retirement planning or, or are curious about uh, what that looks like for you and try and get in touch with somebody who understands what these benefits are all about because they're gonna help answer uh, questions that pertain to you specifically. And if you're looking at you know a more robust type planning, then um, reach out to a financial advisor and uh, who understands the federal benefits. If you don't have one, let us help you get someone in your area. Great, thank you very much. And we'll talk to everyone next time. To get Cassie's comprehensive report on your federal retirement benefits at no cost, no obligation, and no sales pitch, go to fednababble.com. While you're there, submit a question for them to answer on the show.